You're listening to For Ama, an audio storytelling series about Namibian women and healing. How do we heal from absence? For those of us who didn't have the presence of a parent throughout our childhood, healing can be especially complicated. Instead of healing from something that has happened in our past, we have to learn to heal from what didn't happen, from who or what was absent. Today, we listen to the story of a woman now in her 40s reflecting on what it was like to grow up without her parents for most of her childhood during the Namibian struggle for independence. In a story about war and unconventional parental love, we look at what it means to heal from absence. This is her story. My parents gave me the name Tutaleni and I was baptized after a good friend of my parents who her name is Margaret and Naita wasn't actually the name that my parents gave me an army general found out my father gave birth to or my parents gave birth to a girl to a baby girl and then he said oh she was born during the war let her name be Naita and in his honor everybody called me Naita and that's the name that stuck with me and that's the name I'm used to everybody knows me as Naita so I was born in two wars. The wars my parents fled from. That's for the struggle for liberation for Namibia from South Africa because South Africa was occupying Namibia illegally. That's apartheid South Africa. From 1948 until 1990, Namibia only gained its independence in 1990. So I was born in 1976 and my parents had to flee the country before I was born. They fled with me in the belly, highly pregnant and they had to walk from their village to the border, from the border deep into Angola to be safe. I was born in Huambu in Angola, just before the civil war broke out in Angola. In Angola, that's the time when the civil war was about to break out when many kids were stolen or many babies were snatched from their parents. So my mother, since I was born, never gave me to any nurse to bath me, weigh me or take care of me without her presence. From Angola, we fled to Zambia. We were staying there. And then the Kasinga massacre happened on the 4th of May, 1978. The International Solidarity answered and took up the orphans, the semi-orphans, and also kids who were sick and weakly. And that's how come I was then flown on the 17th of December, 1979. And we left from Angola for, or from Africa for Germany. I arrived on the 18th of December, 1979. I arrived as one of 80 other Namibian children. We arrived in, in East Germany and that's where I grew up. I was three years old. I didn't really know what was happening. It was just happening to me at that stage. But the big transition was that, you know, we came from a system where white people were seen as the enemies and doing bad things to us from a human rights perspective and economical perspective anyway, and psychological perspective. So all of a sudden we were in that country. We were in a country with white people, white snow, 
a strange building, strange smells, strange everything. But um, because I was three years old, I guess I was more excited in the beginning. But because we were divided amongst the kids in groups, the whole system was not about being with your parents and spending time with your parents, but you're with a group. So my mother was with me for two years, but I hardly was with her. I could visit her once in a while. We would go to town, take a picture, but that was once a year. When she left, I was five years old, and I really my health really started deteriorating. For other kids, they already had left their parents behind before. Because the other kids didn't have their parents with them, I was kind of raised, don't complain about it. You were lucky you had your mom with you for two years. Others didn't have their parents or they don't have parents anymore. But nonetheless, I was a kid, I'm five years old. I missed my mom, I missed my dad. I wanted actually to grow up and be in a normal family, but our situation was not normal because we were at war. They said, you were lucky, you got a good education, you were fed, you were taken care of, you went to school, you were exposed. For them, it's like, we did this for you. And I was like, yeah, I'm really thankful, but I would have preferred to stay with you. You know, as a kid, you don't care how your parents live as long as you're with your parents. The way I grew up, I grew up very safe, very protected, but I would say emotionally not whole because I grew up as part of a larger group. I was in group one, we were 12 kids, seven boys and five girls. And I know in Africa we say a child is raised by the village, but I also wanted to spend more time with my parents. And I didn't get to spend time with my parents. From the age of three until 14, I only spoke of myself as we. Everything was we. We're going there, we want this, we do that, we do that. It took me very long to say I. And that's, <laughs> that's something, it's, it's, it's different when you grow up institutionalized. And the we that I grew up was we, the communism. It was we, the group, the GDR kids, as we are called. We, these African kids in Europe. And the funny thing is, actually, the whole Ubuntu principle is about we. I'm a person because of you. We are a reflection of each other. I remember when I was 16, somebody was like, why do you keep talk saying we, it's just you here? And then I'm like, oh, because I grew up and I want, and they're like, yeah, that's, but that's in the past. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, okay. So it's just me, I can start talking as me and I, and that, 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 that is what that group dynamic did to me. It was all just about we, we, we. I even sometimes fall into that and then I realize it and I'm like back to I. Later it became liberating. I went from the we to the I back to the we because I'm now a mother with daughters so it's back again. We as a family, we as a society and we as people living on this planet because if it's too much I, it's not good. If it's too much we, it's also not good. The individual has to be there also to have self-care and self-nurturing because if I, as a mother, am whole and am good, then I can be a better mother to my girls. But uh, if I just think of myself the whole time, then I'm not the nurturer that I should be also for my girls because I see that the way I see myself in the family I come first and my girls. There was a time I just put my girls first and the I wasn't really there, it was disappearing and that wasn't healthy. 
So you need to have a good balance between the I and the we. My relationship with my parents is not that of, I think, somebody who grew up with their parents. Because when I met my parents again 11 years later at the age of 14, with Namibia's independence and Germany's reunification, nothing was like I expected. And not even living with my parents because I missed my parents for so long. I didn't see them since I was five. And when I saw them, I was like, who are these people? I don't know them. What do they want from me? They don't celebrate my birthday. They don't celebrate Christmas as I expected to. I, I, I had grown up in Germany. I was a German kid in 1990 and a German kid planted into Africa. And that was a, that was a culture shock. It took me eight years to get accustomed to Namibia because I was never in Namibia before. I only know Namibia as a country where there's war. I only knew Namibia as a place of separation of black and white and of suffering. I mean, of course, I saw the scars of the war in the north and the communities there, how they cherish the peace that we live in now and how important it is for them. We were preparing for war, right? We were preparing to come back and liberate this country with a weapon in our hand if necessary and build this country. That's how I grew up. So we got military training, we, we did lots of culture, history. So we were raised to be that generation. Our parents fought for independence and we were going to build this country. When I came here, I was pretty surprised. A lot of things were not as black and white as they were told to me the rich tapestry of people and cultures, the different stories and traumas, the separations, the togetherness. It's all these things that make Namibia. We came out of trauma and there's still a lot of trauma, but we are a society that wants to grow together. I see now beauty in Namibia. I really love being now in Namibia. And I thought for the longest time, as soon as I'm done with school, I'm gonna go back to Europe, study there and stay there and turn my back on Africa. But luckily, my life kept throwing me back to Africa. And that's where I then grew to become an African. I raised my kids here as well. My oldest daughter is now 14 years old. I always looked at her from the age of three and I'm like, so I would have missed this. So this is what my mother missed about me. This is what she, every year from the age of three, I've been looking at them, seeing what my parents missed and what I missed with my parents, those growing steps, you know, that you need. They didn't see me uh, learning to cycle, going to school, learning, uh, seeing my first hobbies and interests, asking me about things. Uh, they didn't get to do all that. We didn't get to do all that as a family. So... I feel like it didn't make me emotionally whole. It made me a survivor. It made me a tough cookie. It made me somebody that can fall and get up. But it didn't make me somebody who's whole. And that's what I'm still healing from. This lack somehow, this, this emotional lack that hasn't been there, this individual parental need. Now as an adult, I've heard a lot about other people who are like, you know what, I grew up with my parent and I wish I didn't. They were not nice to me. So we all carry our baggages and I think that's what we're healing from our whole life. And knowing that about me, I understand that about other people. And I think I have a lot of empathy for that. That's why for me, healing is not a result 
result it's 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 of something it's it's something that you keep doing because we keep falling and getting up we keep uh, we, we keep experiencing heartbreaks downfalls or people and situations that hurt us and we have to learn to go through it i think what we are learning to do better in life is the tools and mechanisms we use either some of uh, for me what i've learned is is to remain open to and to, to 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 different healing methods and processes what i've done i i talk to friends and families i go for meditation i go to the psychologist if necessary i i seek the help that i i i think i need i'm i'm not shutting myself off from receiving help there was a period in my life where i didn't want to receive help but i realized it's very important because if you break your leg you go for help right but if you break your heart um, people do sometimes the dumbest thing to get over a heartbreak it would be nice also to get a professional or to go through similar processes like healing the leg it would also be good to heal the heart All interviews were recorded with the help of Sister Namibia, 99FM, and the Alice Rowan Swenson Fellowship Foundation. Four Amma was created, written, and edited by journalist and writer Amara Evering. Episodes were produced by Armand Jennings, and all narration is done by Lachia Halfiku. We thank all participants brave enough to share their stories on this platform. All stories told in this series are from real people telling their real stories. However, for matters of privacy and safety, their identities will remain anonymous. Rights to this series belongs to Amara Evering and the Alice Rowan Swenson Fellowship Foundation. This is for Amara. That was For Amara, an audio storytelling series about Namibian women and healing.